Welcome to Breaking Good, the officially unofficial podcast for Breaking Bad on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 3, Episode 11, entitled ABQ, ABQ. It's not ABQ. ABQ, ABQ, That's exactly how I, I, looked, I looked it up. And uh, I found Georgia O'Keefe herself pronouncing it Abiquiwiwi. So I th- it's from I think the we're good. from the Aboriginal for watermelon. Yes, right? for that's, door. I think for door. That's it? right, yeah. door. Abiquiwi. For door and cow skull. It means both. Ah, uh, yeah. So the title obviously is the and of course door is Aboriginal slang for vagina. So yep. it just brings everything <laughs> back full circle. Indeed. Uh, no, the the title is George O'Keefe's hometown. I guess. Yeah. Uh, also, it in is Mexico. in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. I think I also i i i i don't know why I know this because I I listened and read a bunch of shit, but I think it's also the home of the George O'Keefe Museum. Uh, that would make sense. Yeah, like hmm. Kurt Vonnegut Museum, in okay. Indianapolis. You know, it's a pretty swanky museum, but yeah, she's a pretty swanky gal, I guess. I I guess I don't really know anything about George O'Keefe, honestly. You, you've seen her art everywhere, though. Everyone, yeah, seen her yeah. Art. I mean, everyone's seen the cow skulls and stuff like that. Sure. And now I've seen the door. Yeah. Uh, they didn't show a ton of it. No, we need so more doors. Mm-hmm. There's like, there's like twenty of them. I, yeah, I got the impression that there were a lot of doors that she just painted this door over and over. Mm. Uh, I, I don't know. So we start off with a flashback. Wait, can we talk about uh, so so? It also, um, they made it seem like it was also a pun on ABQ, the episode okay. title. Mm-hmm. And before we get started on the episode proper, I want to talk about its overall arc here and some of the clever things that Breaking Bad does, which I think oh, are boy. not intentional and in that it's plotted out, but when the coincidence is there, they go for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is episode 311. Last year's, the last season's episode 211 is Mandala. Which features the death of, it opens with the death of Combo and, you know, the birth of uh, Holly, okay. which we talked about, you know, Mandala being the um, Hindu principle of like the circle of life and rebirth. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that the Combo plot circles back here at the end of this episode where we find out that this Tomas kid, who's Andrea's brother, is the one who shot Combo and it's going to. Uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen because I haven't seen the other episodes, but it sure, <laughs> sure does. Uh-huh. It sure does put a burr up Jesse's ass. Yeah, he storms off and uh, with with a scowl on his face. And and seeing as this is episode three eleven of a thirteen episode season, and this being Breaking Bad, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that this is, you know, right before the the the, the floor drops out of the season. Yeah, yeah, a lot of, a lot of stuff is being set up here. Um moving kind of into the next act of Breaking Bad. Yeah. But I think this is a really interesting connective episode. It pulls you know, we talked about this season being such a transition between the classic Breaking Bad era and the modern Breaking Bad era. And this uh-huh. episode is another one of those nexuses. It pulls in the stuff from Jane um and kind of explains a lot of what's going on in Jesse's mind that we've talked about. Yeah. And propels the plot forward into, you know, transitions from the cousins and, and the cartel being the threat uh, to post that. You know, what what are, what are you going to, what's what's Jesse going off half-cocked about these gangsters going to do with his relationship with Walt and mm-hmm. his overall relationship with his criminal empire? It's, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's really shocking when in uh, episode 13 of this season, everyone ends up in physical therapy. 
<laughs> it like it just it really slows to a crawl at that point. I gotta say, sure, you know, everyone's trying to walk. It's just endless scenes of that. They're painting doors uh-huh. as a form of therapy. Yep, it's it slows down, but it picks up. Mm. Uh, so we start off with a flashback. Jesse and Jane are at the the museum, the Georgia O'Keeffe Museum, and they go out to the car after looking at one of her paintings, or or a lot of her paintings actually. Uh, and they talk about her and her paintings, and specifically this door and. This idea that she painted it a whole bunch of times, and she kept doing it over and over again. And Jesse sees this as almost insanity, certainly obsession, um, and doesn't see the difference between the paintings and the door, right? Mm-hmm. Every, every time he's just like, it's the same door. She's just painting it over and over again. That's ridiculous. It's a waste of time. Well, I think he views it through the lens of perfectionism, you, uh-huh. you know, yeah. that... that she's trying to get it right in the same way that he was trying to get his little wooden box mm-hmm. to be the ultimate manifestation of his skill. Yeah. Whereas Jane's arguing it from it, a making a feeling last. Sure. So how does this relate to the episode itself? I've got a couple of theories. Uh, yeah. So there, there's a lot with this theme of kind of repeating past mistakes. I mean, Gus at the end of it with Walter sure. is talking about that. Um, I wouldn't call these paintings, these these previous 2019 paintings, whatever, mistakes, but it's certainly a repetition of sorts, mm-hmm. right? Um, and doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Uh, and potentially getting different results. And I think that's one of the, the key things here. And we see it with Andrea as well. Like, not only is she, does she have a little brother who is lost to these gangs and violence, but she's also willing to get high uh, while she has this kid. And that's probably going to repeat the same cycle that Tomas went through. It's it's a lot of repetition uh, leading to potentially bad places. Sure. I also think, because, you know, we talked about, like, why is Jesse starting up to cook again? We talked about respect yeah. and feeling inferior to Walt and, you know, wanting to prove that he can he can be his own man. But I also think that there is this element of holding on to the feeling that, mm-hmm. you know, his happiest times were when it was just him and Skinny Pete and Badger running around hustling teens and dime bags and other drug lingo that I don't really have a handle on. Sure, yeah. And he is kind of, you know, that's kind of what they're talking about. It's like, you know, what's what's the use of being an outlaw if you have all these stupid corporate responsibilities? So he's trying to capture that time. Mm-hmm. But also Jane is part of that happiest time. And I think through meeting Andrea, he finds a potential way to recapture that happiness as well, to hold on to that feeling as well. Yeah, I think so. Um, And he's kind of shocked when he learns that she's got a kid and that she's willing to kind of throw away his future potentially with with these repetitious patterns, you know? Yeah, but with that lipstick on the cigarette that they deployed last week, I feel like that that is setting us up for that realization that he is trying in Kafka-esque to recapture the happy times before Combo was killed, then that lipstick is a reminder of the other missing piece that he's got, and then Andrea falls right into his lap. Yeah. Yeah, it it felt like a lot of set it up and knock it down stuff at times. Sure. Uh, But I don't really have a problem with that because it's what you got to do. No, it makes I honestly think it makes it feel very tight. Like everything's clicking, you know, Breaking Bad on on, on the rewatch for me has been to kind of see how all these themes kind of click into place like Legos. It's Mm -hmm. very precise and they got a nice tight fit. Yeah. All right. Um, was it surprising to you when Jane walks into frame here? I mean, we know that this is not really the modern Jesse because he's got this crazy yellow hat and this crazy yellow hoodie. Sure. But when she rolls into frame, I was like, oh, wow, okay. 
The for the first time I watched it, obviously yeah, yeah, I knew no, what yeah. was going on this time. But it was like this was the flashback to you know they because they refer going to the Giorgio O'Keefe Museum. They do, but, but we you never, never see actually it. see it. And now you actually see it. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. And and also if you're a real big color fan, mm-hmm. you can dig around on internet sites where people like went crazy with the fact that like you know Jesse broke up with the color yellow after Jane dies. The only time you see him in it is when he's wearing his like lab fatigues. Does he wear any color anymore? I think he's all black and gray. In this season, but then they talked about like in in that that like Tomas when he first meets him is wearing a yellow shirt and yeah. there's like a yellow motif with uh is it yeah, it's Andrea, right? Uh who's I saw the, her in red a couple times. I, but I'm saying that's know. his girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, it's suddenly Andrea. Andrea felt weird to to me. Um but that there, the, the, there's kind of another sign of like his re- maybe a chance of return to normalcy too. But uh, you know, I'm not a big okay. color theory guy. I think that's all interesting, but you know, it's it's something that you can read whatever you want into it. Um, also, we'd be remiss if we didn't point out the obvious post shadowing of Jane being like, "Oh, that's so sweet. I threw up my mouth, my mouth a little bit." Uh huh. Uh huh. So. I thought that was pretty funny on on rewatch. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, so Hank's starting his physical therapy, and he is struggling. Uh, everyone's encouraging him to try a little bit harder here. Uh, he looks like he's trying pretty fucking hard. I mean, he is sweating. He is shaking. It's Hank like I've never seen him. Um, yeah. But he's done. He doesn't want any more of it. I th- think it's... It's poignant that uh, you because know, Junior's trying to be encouraging and he gives him just like yeah like guess why why don't you get lost and you have something better to do yeah and Junior like kind of picks up his crutches like okay Uncle Hank and like stumbles his way out the door and I think Hank realized that he crossed the line like you're gonna let you're gonna lecture yeah. this kid for being supportive you trying to relearn to walk <laughs> sure when he it's when, not cool when's man. the last time if ever he's been able to walk without any kind of pain or perseverance yeah that's the thing there there are a couple of things like that in this episode so as they leave marie tells skylar that they they got the first physical therapy bill and presents it to her and i was trying to read skylar's face here to tell how big it was i can't tell if it's just not that big of a bill or she really just they have plenty of money and that's not going away so she doesn't care but she did she played it off like yeah not a big deal you know she looked at it for a long time but yeah, I was, her eyes didn't bug out. Or her anything. face was kind of inscrutable because there's yeah. one you could see that face as being like, whoa, this is bigger than I thought, but we can probably handle it. Or, uh-huh. oh, this is what Marie thinks is a lot of money. Ha ha ha. You know, kind of like <laughs> laughing up her sleeve a bit. Yeah, I, I I was trying to read her face and she really did a good job of hiding any kind of surprise there. So. Sure. Uh, Jesse's packaging the glass. The the crystal meth. While I almost say it's a cook montage, but it's not really. It's like it's like he's the, done with the cook. He's breaking it up and he's the barest whiff of a montage. Yeah, it has some music behind it. Yeah. If you want to call that a montage, several shots. Uh, Walt's hovering over his shoulder, and you can see that he is worried about Jesse stealing uh, some of this weight here. And Jesse says, "Hey, man, just say the words. Just say it. You think I'm stealing?" And Walt's like. Look, look around you. There might be cameras. There might be audio surveillance equipment. Don't say anything. Sure. Uh, he's smart. He's smart. Anyway, there are... Did you want to say anything about that scene? Or? Nope. Okay. Keep rolling. There are some new people at group therapy, including this girl named Andrea. And after the meeting, Jesse and Badger and Skinny Pete all meet up. And Jesse says, hey, 
there are going to be some production shortages because now Walt's interfering. Um, and when he asks Grandpa how... Grandpa Anus. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he's got a good nickname for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he asks how it's going with the sales, they're like, yeah, I... I haven't really sold anything. I sold the teeth to Skinny Pete. <laughs> That's the the fact that you always sold a teeth and then to this guy. <laughs> uh, uh, and they say they can't sell these people, right? It's like shooting a baby in the face. You don't want to do that. No it's one wants cool. to do that. Uh, so Jesse's like, you know what? Here's how easy it is. And he goes up and he starts talking to Andrea. Mm-hmm. Who previously, that's the one thing I guess we should throw in there. The fact that Andrea, when she was called on to present herself at the group, said, I don't even want to be here yeah so that's the line he uses to get in there so andrea is uh easy prey he's thinking gonna pick her right off yeah seems like it um skyler's cooking dinner for the family spaghetti cam spaghetti cam boiling water cam oh okay uh junior brings up the fact that he's about to get his driver's license and that he wants a car preferably a stang a very specific one he'll also accept an irock Sure, sure. But he was clearly fixated on the Stang. I rock Z. He had the model, he had the year, he had the type of hood. Sure. He knew it all about the Stang, so that's what he wants. Um, And Walt comes back with, uh, I'm thinking something with playing cards in the spokes. That's yeah. That's like a, a, a Hank ass level of asshole comment. That, I th- That's one level above, right? Like, you're his fucking dad. You've lived with this. For 16 years now, almost. But also, he's his fucking dad. Like, I don't know. I mean, maybe my family's a bad example because it's kind of messed up. But don't you kind of joke like like with some out of bound things with your with your intimate friends and family that you wouldn't like if any if stranger said that? Maybe. But I I don't know. Like because Skyler doesn't react to it. Skyler's just like, huh. Right, because because Junior has gone hard at you know Walt being old wrinkly man about Skyler's cooking sure. tasting like band aids and about how their water is brown bullshit and mm-hmm. like he's <laughs> he doesn't hold back in his criticism of the family so maybe this is just how they roll hmm. and like be. a good natured nobody takes a personal kind of way hmm. that didn't strike me as the white family honestly but it maybe. did seem I would love uh, that's one question I'd love to ask. Vince and the writer like what was going through there like was that an intentional dynamic or is that just something that they were thinking about when they're typing and then no one really because because like on this like you think RJ Mitty would be like really you would think so really that's I don't know how I would react if my father took a shot at my physical condition via my loner car situation I I don't know not cool man not cool or maybe RJ said that's hilarious and then everything was cool Maybe. Maybe he wrote the joke. Who knows? (laughs) Uh, So after dinner, Walt gives Skylar a check from this Ice Station Zebra company, which we know is uh, Saul's front, and explains that this guy has everything covered. You know, Saul's Saul's got a handle on it. And you can see Skylar's skeptical look the whole time. Uh, it's, It's interesting to note here how, what the dynamic is between Walt and Skylar. Walt thinks at this point that they're divorced. Skyler knows that they're not. Skyler's kind of like all happy and and bubbly at the table here, um, and she seems. And this is like to the be... first family dinner Walt's had in a good well, since he moved back into his apartment and started cooking again. I think so. Yeah, because you know Junior's like, "Oh, is Aunt Marie coming over?" No, it's actually your dad, and he's like, "Whoa, well, oh. yeah." So Maybe that's gonna... why he let the spoke slide, you know, slight slide. He didn't yeah. want to rock the boat. Uh, uh, but Walt seems to be. 
I don't know. He he's got to be thinking like, is this for real? You know, like what's the game? Like I'm here? through the looking glass. It'd be yeah. like if you're like you know your wife kicks you out of the house for cheating on her, and you sign a divorce papers, and she invites you over to dinner and be like, so I've been thinking about swinging. <laughs> You'd be like, what? You know, it's okay. it's so out of kind of left field. Like not only is she. I don't know. I mean, not forgiving you, but like wanting to jump in on this thing too. Yeah, it's, it's got to be Kafka esque. Maybe it's, <laughs> it seems like a big reversal at the least. Yeah. Um, but but I mean, that's I I kind of think we've had this coming. I think in maybe it was three oh nine when they were in the hospital with Hank. I think a lot of stuff got smoothed out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm I'm not certain exactly how they feel about each other at this point. But there's clearly a, a weird dynamic going on. Yeah, you know, so Ice Station Zebra is a weird kind of like uh, 1960s Cold War spy movie. Okay. The, and it's it stars like Rock Hudson. I'm, I've, I've always tried to think, and the, the late, great Ernest Borgnine, hmm. uh, how, why did Saul pick this? Like, is this his favorite movie? I bet does, we're gonna find out in does, Better Call Saul. Does he think? Yeah. Does he? Does does he like see himself as a Rock Hudson like physical type? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you know, it's kind of mistakenly. It's, it's, it is kind of weird to name. You know, it'd be like naming a holding company Armies of Darkness or yeah something crazy like that it wasn't like a paintball reference. Sure. Or, yeah. Or a Halloween maze. Like it's like unnecessarily drawing attention to yourself with some weird ass. Yeah. I, don't, I bet we'll figure that out. We'll find out the origin of Ice Station Zebra. I've heard, I've had people write in, like, you know, some ideas and theories, but none of them have been especially persuasive as, like, hmm. how does this all tie in plot wise? Maybe it's Vince Gilligan's favorite Cold War era Could be. spy movie. Yeah. Uh, so Walt takes Skyler over to Saul uh, <laughs> to meet him at his office. My God, this waiting room. This is not confidence expiring. No, none no. of this field trip is confidence inspiring. I. I couldn't sit in this waiting room, man. I couldn't do it. It's yeah. too horrible. Skylar's face when that dude is coughing, mm-hmm. like it's it's like she flinches every single time. It is hilarious. <laughs> and then her leaning into his, you know, diploma and it's University uh, of American Samoa. <laughs> it it's a shit show, man. Yeah. Completely unimpressed Skylar is. Yeah, and she's got some questions about the details of his money laundering operation and he eventually you know, he, he starts to walk her through it. She says, I'm a bookkeeper. I know about all this stuff. So get to the nitty gritty. He's like, well, we got we got this laser tag front. Skyler doesn't like that. Mm. Skyler's like, that doesn't make any sense. What 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 about this man says laser tag to you? Uh, and Saul comes up with Science. the ridiculous. Yeah, he's a scientist. Scientists like lasers. Sure. Plus, they got bumper boats. So Yeah. You got, you know, some Newtonian physics to throw into it. Uh-huh. I, I don't know. This this scene cracks me up. Just Saul trying to like Walt never asked the questions, right? Walt was always like so naive that it didn't matter to him, and he was always like, "Well, if you can take care of it, take care of it." You mm-hmm. know. Whereas Skyler's going to ask a few questions, and seeing Saul try to actually explain what he does and why he does it, mm-hmm. it's. It's a farce. It's ridiculous. I love it. It is funny because we know that Saul has a certain baseline competence in these criminal matters. Mm-hmm. But 
you would never tell it from. And that's something we always struggle with. It's like, you know, what is he just a bullshit artist, scam artist, or yeah. is he a got the bones of a talented lawyer? I think he has the bones. I just don't think he needs to try that. He doesn't feel like he needs to try that hard. Well, plus he just has got this like, you know, very dismissive patriarchal attitude towards Skyler's wanting to be involved in the thing too, mm-hmm. which doesn't doesn't help. You know, like maybe sure. if, you know, uh, Warren Buffett walked into his office, he would be this fucking assaulting about discussing, you know, money laundering and all that stuff. Maybe he yeah. could give like a kind of a, a, a salty veterans, but he, he ends up blustering and kind of like, well, if you're going to question my years of criminal experience and get the fuck out kind of thing. Sure. He's he's posturing more than anything else. Uh, as, as, as Walt says, he comes off like a circus clown. Yeah. So Jesse and Andrea are uh, making out on her couch. Jesse's trying to sell her on the idea of doing some meth. He's the devil. He's the goddamn devil, Jim. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I could have told you that when he started selling to recovering addicts. I mean, that's the worst thing I've seen him but do in the series yet. There's there, but but the yeah, I mean, I guess, but like this, the specificity of the sales pitch, which is essentially meth is good. We should do we should do some. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's different. It's it's having the idea to do it like, you know, Badger and Skinny Pete, they thought the idea was great in actual practice. They couldn't do it because these were good people trying to get right. In fact, they get co-opted by the system. Yeah. Jesse is awesome. Who has been through a lot more of this is like still middle finger doesn't give a fuck about it. Yeah, until Brock shows up. Like you see when her grandma and her kid bust in and Jesse's introduced to Brock, he his there's a new wrinkle in this and he is not pleased with it. It's like, oh, OK, there's something on his face. Oh, no, it's, it turns into a very bad zine because the grandma yeah. clearly comes home and sees, you know, oh, plows like, half I'm open. pretty sure you're not supposed to plow your sponsor uh-huh. or vice versa sponsor. E. Uh, yeah, she she sees what's going on there. And I looked up a translation. I guess she's just ranting and raving in Spanish about this disgusting behavior. And like, you know, maybe this is a, a bit of a pattern with Andrea could be, or this is just the latest thing. Mm-hmm. And you could eat just the way she's like, yeah, I was going to watch him. And I noticed you were home kind of like, I'm tired of you not taking responsibility for your son. There's like, it's just a bad scene, man. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really is. And I, I don't, I don't know. I, I feel bad for her. And at the same time, I, I kind of feel like, man, that, she should really take a little more responsibility. And that's another connective to like the peekaboo episode. Like Jesse's oh, yeah. seen firsthand the ravages of parents who get super addicted to drugs. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you can get like adequately, you know, fi- you, addict, you know, not quite addicted. Like you're just recreationally using meth. I don't think there's, so. There's not really a recreational me- meth or heroin. A heroin use. I don't know. For some reason, it strikes me as though Badger and Skinny Pete have found that balance somehow. Have they? Like, have you seen Badger and Skinny Pete? I've I've seen them, but like they're not in jail. They're not like they don't. So maybe it's because they don't have any responsibilities. And I'm like, okay, you know, if they want to do that with their lives, who am I to say you shouldn't? Uh, whereas Andrea has some responsibilities. You know, she's got a kid. She's clearly got to take care of this kid, so doing meth is should not be in that equation. Better yeah, than skinny Pete. Eh. I, I mean, that's the other thing is like, uh, <laughs> it's yeah, it's interesting. It's like kind of a double standard with men and women because 
Uh, I and don't doesn't Jesse at one point brag uh, brag about being a bareback Avenger, not using condoms or something? I I feel like something that was on like his that. MySpace page. I think so. Like he likes yeah. bareback and milfs or whatever. It's like yeah, Jesse could have kids he doesn't know about. So could Badger or Skinny Pete, and they don't it doesn't stop them from having a good time. Whereas Andrea, because the baby was attached to her when it came out, she's stuck with this motherhood thing and can't be as irresponsible as the men. Like, oh, I understand I'm advocating okay. a position I mean, if, of, like, men, women should be able to be as big as total shits as, as men can. No, no, no. I, but that like, is... Like, if they knew about it, that's one thing. If they don't know about it, like, why why wouldn't the woman tell them about it? Like, I'm... It is bounced. I'm, I'm hard-pressed hard I mean, to say they should live their lives as if they had kids out there somewhere in the world because, like, but they don't know about it? How just, can you expect that? But I'm saying is like... A man and woman live identically. Uh-huh. They just have free, casual, unprotected, unplanned sex. There are bigger consequences for the women, sure. I, but, oh, yeah, but what I'm saying is, like, the women... Yeah, that's exactly my point. Yes. So it's like... I understand you, your you, point. You, you stated point as they saying, like, they're somehow morally superior because they didn't have to face the... No. Con- the certain consequences of their actions, I'm saying... And again, I feel weird defending I, the, no, a woman's if, right to get high on meth when she has children because I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that that's <laughs> no, 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 no. So take it back to before Andrea had kids. Okay. Then, then they're on par, right? Like, who cares what Andrea does? She but can do whatever a, she wants. That, that she's got Schrodinger's womb, man. Like, just because <laughs> she knows for certain that she has a child, she's more mo- morally capable, culpable. I guess. I mean, I I, th- I think that's probably true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, knowledge certainly changes, should influence your behavior, right? So mm. I, th- I think that's probably true. I don't know if, like, you want to I just remember, it- like, the final season of Mad Men. That was something I can't remember if it was Peggy or Joan expressed uh, that, or maybe it, maybe it was. Maybe it was Joan something that she threw in the face of one of her lovers that, like, you know, it's... It's a fundamental unfairness that women can't be as irresponsible as men can. Okay. Um, and I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't like where the logical conclusions lead to this. And I don't know how to exactly fix that. But I, like, I understand the fundamental inequality of the situation. Yeah. Now, I think if, you know, Skinny Pete knocks up somebody and they come to him and they say, hey, I'm pregnant. I've got a kid now. You've got a kid now. Skinny Pete also has a responsibility to change his fucking ways. And I guess, like, to, to put a nice little social bow on it, that's why I think it's fundamentally immoral to campaign against women's free access to birth control. Sure. Because you're depriving yeah. them of the same privileges to be irresponsible, sure. quote-unquote personally irresponsible as men, as, as men have for eons and millennia. Yeah, I can get behind that. All right, that's enough social justice here. <laughs> We've we've said it all. Maybe it's an early episode. <laughs> it's early in the episode. It is. Um. So yeah, Skyler is driving Walt uh, to the car wash, which we find out at the end of this scene. Um. That's where they're going, and she tells Walt that she wants to be safe, and Saul is clearly not safe enough. Uh. Something she says indicates to Walt that maybe she thinks his dealings are in the past here, uh, with the meth business, and he sets the record straight on that. He says he can't quit. There's nothing about this arrangement that's going to work if he quits. Uh, Skyler pulls up to the car wash where he used to work and explains, this is what you buy. We should buy this. I thought it's this an is easy a, sell. And then we don't get any money for this at all. We have no affiliation whatsoever other than being satisfied customers. But I felt like this episode is a great trailer for the Breaking Bad tours 
in Albuquerque. Oh yeah, we went to both of these locations, like Gombo's Corner, and and, and so many more. And it's you know it's seventy five bucks. I, I feel like if you're a Breaking Bad fan, Albuquerque is a very cheap destination spot because uh-huh. for a couple of hundred bucks and the plane ticket to get you there, you can take the tour on a, a screen accurate replica of the RV. Mm-hmm. You can go to all these locations. You can go to. Uh, whatever that Spanish, uh, there's a Spanish restaurant that has side guacamole service that figures prominently in a future Gardunos? episode. Gardunos, what's called? You can go there and have the table service. You can go to the Frosty Dog or whatever the fuck it is called. I can't recall. Uh, and, yeah, the hot dog joint where Jesse buys a gun. There's so many, that, and it's all easy to get around to. Like all this stuff is, you know, if if, if you don't have to go out to Tahajali or out to any of the Indian reservations where they actually did some of the desert cooks. Yeah, it's super easy to get to, and it's a it's a it's a fun time. And like this car so, yeah. wash, I think like a lot of locations don't embrace. And like you know, like if you go to Gus's Los Polos Hermanos, yeah, there's essentially just like they've redecorated. It doesn't really look yeah. like it anymore, and there's just like a plaque that says, "Yes, this is the fucking place." Uh-huh. But this car wash, like you can get merch and memorabilia, and they got all kinds of like cast photos and mm-hmm. photos of when they were shooting, and like I feel like they have like some props and and and, and stuff as well, and. It's a pretty good time. Yeah, and again, I'm see... not getting paid anything. I just think that if you're a Breaking Bad fan and and you wanting to do it, you should definitely do it because it's it yeah. seems it's it's something that's within the reach of if of anyone. And honestly, the sooner you do it, probably the better because like some of this stuff is getting bought out. Like that car wash got bought oh, by another right. company, and something... I think they took down the car wash sign, the, A1 the car... lettering, not the A one, but whatever the yeah yeah. So like some of this stuff will change, and, and I'm buildings sure more will be knocked down, and yeah. they will change hands, and it's you know it's going to be like uh, a footprint in the in the uh, on the beach. Yeah, you don't have to go tomorrow, but don't wait like a decade, twenty or years from now. None of this sh- stuff's going to be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Combo's corner will be built up with uh, I don't know. Uh, it'll just be full of meth dealers. I'm surprised sure. it wasn't. I'm su- frankly surprised there wasn't a meth dealer on site. That is actually a fairly safe area of town. Of course, we visited in broad daylight, but like, yeah, yeah, you know, and with a big group of people. So, sure, who knows? It does look as run down as it looks in the show, though. It does. Like you got yeah. that abandoned, shitty factory in the background. I mean, uh-huh. it's that's the thing about going on the tour is there's a lot of these locations that really give you, you know, sometimes like I, weirdly, I didn't get that sensation driving by Jesse's house. It's like it okay. kind of looks smaller it looks than it was, on, but like these things, like when you stand, it's like, oh shit, this is the place. Yeah, and you this, can almost see where they set up the camera. Yeah, and where everybody and, was standing. And this this episode has a lot of those locations. Yep. Uh, so Jesse's waiting for Andrea, and he sees Badger and Skinny Pete outside the group meeting, uh, the location where they meet. I love how Badger always has one of those pink frosting donuts in his hand. Yeah, man, he's there. I'm convinced he's there only for the donuts. Well, he's working his steps, I mean, yo. He's on step he's on two step of two. donut eat, donut cleanse. <laughs> That's what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. Step two is give up the do- like. Don't don't show up just for the donuts. <laughs> ah, yeah. I wonder how often they meet. Once a week. I don't. Does that know. sound about right? I, yeah. I I have no idea. I've never been in a program. Sure, sure. But it just seems like a once a week thing. I because he couldn't do it every day, and people have jobs. Well, Plus the amount of donuts the badger eats, it would just know, wipe I, out. I had a boss that was really active in Alcoholics Anonymous, and you know he was like you know twenty three years sober, and he was like mm. a speaker at some of them. And I guess that like a lot of the urban centers, they do have them like every day. They're not ran by the same person or necessarily in the same place, but like um, 
there is a place you can go. Oh yeah, I, I imagine every single day if you need that kind of support. And also, that's the whole idea of the sponsor. Like in between meetings, if you have that urge, you can call them and get kind of talked down off the ledge. Mm-hmm. So again, I don't know, but Jesse's a terrible sponsor. He is the worst. Terrible. <laughs> he's the worst. He's sponsoring Crystal Blue, is what he's doing. Yeah, he is. Uh, he so he asks why. Uh, Jesse or why Bedrin, Skinny Pete are both still there, and they say they're getting clean, man. They're <laughs> they're several steps in each, and then Andrea shows up and they take off. I love Skinny Pete's like that dude needs to come into the fold, yo. <laughs> like you know they've completely got religion on this. Yep. We then we go to uh, dinner at a restaurant with Andrea, Brock, and Jesse, and he's impressing Brock with the the old worm straw wrapper trick. Oh yeah, which ever, I think everybody's grandparents showed them at one point. Sure. Uh, we find out that Andrea has this kid brother named Tomas and that they don't talk about him. Mm, he does tricks Something. with firecrackers. Sounds like a dangerous kid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and this place is called Taco Sal. I don't think we actually saw one of those while we were there, but nah. I, I think that might be just like a chain that's, that's out there. I don't think oh, that's, that's anything that's... super special. I mentioned the like how cheap it is. There's actually a book that a guy named Mark Valdez wrote. Yeah. You can get on Amazon. It's called the guidebook to breaking bad filming locations and if you want to get crazy with it it's an exhaustive list of like every scene and where it was filmed in albuquerque and around albuquerque yeah so if you want to go to taco malverde or whatever it is you can you can find it and and go there uh so walt takes all to the car wash and he tells him that they want to buy this instead of the laser tag uh place and saul doesn't like it for various reasons but specifically there's no danny there's yeah, no you gotta, Danny there. You need a Danny, man. And he explains what Danny is. Danny's basically a guy who is down on his luck. He's got a dream. He doesn't want to see that dream die, and so he's willing to put up with a lot of shit, including illegal shit, in order to keep that dream alive. Do you think Bald Move needs a Danny? We do. We, we do. should. If look you want to be our Danny, write in and let us know. Act, it's our Andrew Mout is our Danny. It, he is funneling. Okay. Mm-hmm. He's, he's funneling yeah. in filthy, filthy commission money. Who and says where he gets the money? Hey, I, Who knows? I'm not asking questions. No. I'm not asking questions. I'm just I'm writing him a you know charitable donation receipt every single time. <laughs> not true. <laughs> yeah. So I I don't know. We we need a Danny for sure. Uh, Andrea and Jesse are in bed, and she suggests that they do some meth. And they get into this argument about what kind of mother she is. Then when it calms down, she tells Jesse the story of Tomas' involvement with this gang and the murder of another crew's drug dealer. And then Jesse ends up making this connection between Tomas and Combo. Yep. He puts two and two together here. Uh, I I don't know. Like At this point, I'm starting to think, okay. So Jesse said, Jesse's at the, the group meeting and he says, all right, boys, I'll show you how easy it is. Mm-hmm. Here's how easy it is. And then like... I'm starting to think this is hardly easy. Is he going to wine, dine, and fuck every single customer <laughs> for a teenth? Yeah, it's the hard way to do it for sure. <laughs> I mean, that seems like the long road, but you know, you do what you got to do. Uh, but yeah, wh- what do you think of this? What do you think of Jesse putting together the clues here, and, and the coincidence, I guess, of Andrea being Tomas's older sister. I wish I could put myself back in the first time watcher's shoes because I'm trying to think if I was smart enough to pick up on what Jesse's putting down until the end of the episode when he got to the spot. I'm sure Mm. when the kid is writing the certain, the, and and all that, I would have, I would have figured it out, but I wonder, I think, I think a sharp viewer can pick up, you know, what they're talking about just from, just from the, 
I think so. And there again, it's like, I don't know why this kind of coincidence I think is cool and doesn't bother me. Uh And the airliner is just like, I don't know. I don't know. Some things just, you know, hit you at the wrong time or in the wrong way. Because this is like, you know, on top of all the other coincidences, the astronomical coincidences that Walter's talking about, this is yet another one. This is some cosmic fate. Like this is stuff, you know, I mean, I guess another way is like, uh, you know, families touched by crime probably have more in common than they think. And, you know, that that what seems, I mean, this is kind of like, uh, you know, people say evolution is random. How can stuff happen? Well, it's not. It's natural selection. This is a process that push pressures and and moves things, but there's no intelligence behind it. Mm -hmm. This crime scene could be the same thing. Like, you know, your family's going to jail and they're in drug treatments and they're being questioned by police and they're involved in gangs. Well, then maybe a lot of things that look coincidental actually have a lot more logical explanation. Like maybe it would be way more objectionable if Walt had accidentally run into the person whose little brother killed Combo. Sure. Like that would be hard to see, but yeah, yeah, I think. But even that would be explained because Walt's a school teacher. I mean, like he's got he's teaching all the you kids. You think Tomas is going to school? You think Tomas is going to school? Not at this. He's point. riding his bike around all yeah, day. Yeah, you're crazy. Dealing true. meth. That's true. But he is associated with Jesse, and Jesse's associated with those kind of people. So who knows? Yeah. Uh, anyway, Marie shows up at Hank's bedside, and she tells him, "Good news, you're going to be released at the end of the week." And he is less than excited about that. He basically wants to stay in the hospital, and when he finds out that there's a hospital bed in his home, he's like, fuck that. Get that bed out of my house. I'm not going home till I walk out of here. So let, let's let's get Hank and put him on the leather couch and get our like, legal notepads out and okay. analyze him. Mm-hmm. What is his deal? Is he afraid? His, is uh, he afraid that, like, when I'm in the hospital, I'm I don't have to worry about you know, going back to work. I don't have to worry about all those repercussions. I don't have to worry about potentially, uh, you know, Mexican cartel guys trying to kill me. I think he's afraid, but that's not what he's afraid of. He's afraid that this is permanent. That he, if he gets the hospital bed at home, then he's yeah. going to go to a hospital room that he never gets out of. Yes. Okay. I think that's probably likely too. And, but you it's know, hard there's to tell a challenge to his manhood. I mean, all, all of this stuff that's very wrapped in it's a, Hank's it's a complex ego. Stew. It, it is. It is. It's a complex fish stew that none of the kids like. Especially for what appeared to be a fairly superficial guy at the beginning of this mm-hmm. series, right? Sure. No, like Dean he's Norris. He's turned into something else. That's the thing. Like, I always thought it's interesting how, not interesting, impressive that. Because there's no way Vince had to know that he was going to be able to get all this stuff. Like this is the this is the mm-hmm. wheelchair guy from Starship Troopers. <laughs> yeah, know? the mechanical hand or something. Yeah, as well, yeah, yeah. This this the how what evidence did you have that Dean Norris was able to rise to these particular occasions? Yeah. And you know, you, I'm thinking you, he had like an addition reel and all that kind of stuff. And I've, I've seen the one that uh, Marie does. Um, yeah, but I mean, that's. Did they know they were going to go this direction with Hank? Yeah. Uh, with him in the hospital and stuff to even audition him for this? Because, like, yeah, I imagine when, when Dean Norris us- came in for this role, he was playing, like, season one Hank. Yeah. And it was very this kind of performance. Uh huh. But, like, I. Uh, I think Dean Norris is the one that surprised me most in this series. I, I agree with that. Like yeah. what he was capable of. I mean, I didn't know anything for Aaron Paul, but I. I mean, Brian Cranston kind of surprised me because he came right off of Malcolm in the Middle. I guess that's true. Which how what right 
no way is he going to play a serious dramatic role, but man, he nails it. Um, but, but that's not a, I mean, he was nailing it from episode one. He was, yes. Where it's like every single time Vince needed a background character to step up, or because this is an organic thing, maybe it's just, I'll give him a little bit more and, oh, wow, he nailed it. So we'll give him a little bit more and, you know, uh-huh. you end up here in season three. He's got this whole arc revolving around him. Um, and like, just, I guess it's, you get lucky. And I, the people that can't step up probably didn't get those opportunities and we're not talking about them. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and if they had hired those maybe people, Elliot and Gretchen are just terrible actors and actresses and they they might yeah. have had a whole season five arc sure maybe they do I don't know uh <laughs> but but yeah it's like they just fell to the wayside and the other people got mm-hmm. elevated I don't know it just seems like it's fucking magic though that you yeah. cast these people that are for one thing and they're capable of so much more it'd be like yeah hiring a fry cook at McDonald's and you find out that he can split the atom and he's the Mr. <laughs> Universe competitor and He's circumnavigated you might know the that globe. By looking at him. I, that part. <laughs> the mystery. But what if you part. didn't? What if he's a skinny guy and he just happens to have one of those wiry old man strengths? Oh you yeah, know? he's got the body. Not Mister. I saw. I, I, he's like a bench press champion or something. He just gotcha. doesn't look like it. It's yeah. it's kind of like one of those things where it's like you hire someone just to fill this niche and they just can do everything. It's crazy. Yeah, and if they had hired people who couldn't, we probably wouldn't be talking right now about this show. Yeah. In season three, going back and rewatching it. Well, that's the thing. Like you know. I, I keep listening to these insider podcasts and Vince is such a humble, humble dude. And he's spreading mm-hmm. all this credit around. It's like, man, how much of this is individual genius and how much of it is luck? Yeah. But then you look at the pedigree of the X-Files and Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. It seems like there is these ingredients here that keep being successful. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, so Walt explains to Skylar, hey, look, we've got no Danny at this car wash. We can't buy it. And he is surprised when she volunteers to be the Danny. Walt says, no way, no way. And during this conversation, this is where it comes out that they're actually not divorced. And Walt is shocked by that. Uh, How do you feel about Skylar just going whole hog now into this operation? Uh, You know, it's something I've always thought about. Like, what if Walt had come clean from the beginning? Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, it depends. Like, the beginning, the beginning, it never launches off the ground. But, like... After like he's I've already killed, killed crazy, crazy hate. hate. <laughs> yes, that's probably where it becomes uh-huh. real. Uh, yeah, I, I, because it took her a while to think about it, but she made this conclusion. Now, I mm-hmm. don't know whether her being pregnant would have changed that equation any. Like, like that would have just yeah. been too much. But I don't know how having a small baby really affects it. I do you think it's a case of her having like Stockholm syndrome? Like she's bought into this. I can't. I have to do this for the children, or do you think she had unreasonable faith in Waltz being able to keep them safe? Because we know there's axe-wielding maniacs in her house a few episodes ago, but she doesn't know that. Yeah. And he's making all this money, and there's, like, no shady people she's dealing with, and she doesn't see any... And that's the thing. that Like, I, I mentioned this, I think, a couple of episodes ago, where she hasn't really seen much of the consequences yet. Right? Sure. I mean, Walt... Walt knows. Walt's had to do some bad shit. But and that's the thing. Walt has, even as he is being open and honest with her, and like saying, "I've returned to cooking," mm-hmm. he's not giving her the details. Like she doesn't know how he's many not. people he's killed. Yeah, and how many, and what the real danger is here. Yes, and how many just by the skin of his teeth he's gotten out of a lot. Uh-huh. And even Walt doesn't know how close his personal family has come a couple of times. So true. I and Walt seems to be. Not concerned enough with the idea that she would be wanting to get into this. Like, if I'm Walt and I know the danger is going on, I'm I'm trying to push her away from this, not 
not bring her in. I like, think it's 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 a dream come true for him. I know, I know. It's it's almost like it's it's tragic in that way. In that he knows better and he shouldn't have her involved in this, but he wants her involved in this. And now that she's receptive to it, he's like rubbing his hands together. Oh, it's time. It's yeah. time to make some real money here, do things right. And I think there's a little bit of her having him bent a bit over a barrel in that Yeah. You know, this story she told in the previous episode, he's got no, I mean, he's, she's kind of boxed him in there Mm -hmm. that he has to kind of play this role. And because if he says no, I mean, I I don't know what the, if I don't know how much power he's got to just be like, no, you can't do that. Yeah. Because he has to, he now has to play just like, I mean, it's her money trap Skyler with the kids and the family into playing her little role that she didn't want to play. Yep. He's kind yep. of been boxed into playing this particular role. And, and I don't now, feel bad about that one. Bit. No, 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 no. I, 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 I don't either. I think, you know, it, it. so like I said, it's her money too. So if she wants to go off and buy this car wash, what's he going to do? But it's interesting. And I, I know that's one of the most interesting things I thought about at this point in the series is seeing like this is Skyler as season one Walt Breaking Bad. Hmm, and yeah. like I was really looking forward to seeing kind of her naivety, but also like she's got the same kind of smug, superior confidence in her particular. Like uh-huh. Walt knew the science, and he knew, and like everything is divine. Well, she's the fucking bookkeeper, and she, you know she's seen this criminal lawyer and is not impressed. And yeah, it's kind of like her it's, going to Saul's office was Walt's meth ride along. Yes, I can fucking like, do chili this. Pee? No, I can fucking do. Anyone can do this. Look at these idiots doing this. Like yeah. it's kind of and and I like that that she's getting her mid series run reboot into this Heisenberg character. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, cut to the super lab. Jesse and Walt are cooking, and they get a phone call, and we find out very quickly here that it's from Gus, and he invited Walt to dinner at his home. Yeah. I love I love this cut to Walt's stupefied face. Like after after Skyler presents like what I consider the perfect plan. I mean, this is such so much better of an option than the one that Saul presented. And I feel like maybe Walt didn't realize how good his wife was going to be at this Hmm. uh, and how how well she was going to be able to adapt to the situation and just come up with this perfect plan that even he hadn't thought of. You know, I I will say Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. He, he's so used to being the guy who comes up with the the solutions. And yeah. The plans. And she's had these elegant solutions like three f- episodes in a row at this point. Yeah. I also think that we kind of have to cool our jets a little bit about how gleeful he was at this because uh-huh. I think it's telling that like when you see Walt and, and Jesse at the lab, they're fucking zombies. Yeah. They've like between Jesse's experience with, um, you know... Uh, Andrea here mm-hmm. and uh, you know getting kind of come up short there and Walt's experience with Skyler it's you know they're kind of taken back and they don't know what to do they they feel kind of rudderless here yeah I wouldn't even say that like Walt's glee at Skyler getting into this is conscious I, I think it's more something that we know he wants yeah as opposed to him acknowledging it. Sure. Um, but here, this this stupefied look on his face is him going, A, what am I getting everyone into? This what am is I getting, getting myself I'm into? I'm getting in over my head here with my entire family now. Uh, and B, is this what I want? Mm-hmm. Is, is this actually... Like, he's thinking, do I want Skylar involved in this? I, I certainly think that the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not sure that he knows that yet. 
Okay. Anyway, uh, Walt shows up at Gus's house and he helps him cook dinner with some trepidation. He's, he's Gus pulls a knife. He's a little worried about that. But I see. I thought that Gus was a, to him. That was a baller move because yeah. Gus brings it out, points it knife first right into his chest, gives it to Walter, and then immediately turns his back on him. Yeah, I mean it's like that's it's a display of trust, right? But it's also like I see you as no threat. You couldn't possibly stab me in the back. Yeah, I mean that's kind of a slap in the face to Walt. But no, I get. I think it's both. It's 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 equal it is. measure, it's a, a sign of, of trust, and also a power play. Yeah. Like you don't got the stones, <laughs> sure. To sure. you don't got the garlics uh, <laughs> to, to do this. Yeah, yeah. I, I like this scene a lot. You know, Gus is offering some advice, some help to Walt on how to avoid some of the mistakes that but he also, made as a budding meth kingpin. But it's also again on two levels. It's it's, it's friendly advice and also an implicit threat. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he advises advises him that he should never make the same mistake twice, which. When you combine that statement with the smash cut to Jesse uh, mm-hmm. and his car, mm-hmm. we know that he's making a mistake with Jesse here. He's covering for Jesse. He shouldn't be doing this. Right. And and what's Jesse going to do to to fuck this up? Yeah. I thought this is great because we, we really flesh out in some very uh, efficient scenes Gus's character. We find out that he has a family. He has children. We find out. Does he? Does Like... I'm not a hundred percent sure that Gus actually has a family. Well, we can we can talk about that um, okay. in the spoiler section. But I'm saying that like okay. he purports to have children. We see the pictures on the wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, he it also it's like you know Gus has always been a soft spoken man, mm-hmm. but in this scene, Giancarlo pulls back so much. It's and it, but it also makes you lean forward and, and draws you kind of in because he's just very softly speaking these 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 silky smooth lines and his demeanor is is different even from when he's the chicken man right yeah like when he's a chicken man he always has a plastered smile whereas this felt slightly more genuine not totally genuine but a little bit more. There's still a little bit of performance but it's a different kind of performance and also the manifestation of wealth and power like you gus shows up at the job he looks like he's the manager yeah. He does not look like he is the owner of this multi-state chicken chain. Uh-huh. And he's talking about, like, you know, I need to sh- – anyone – I thought that was a great line. Uh, one must learn how to be rich. Being poor, anyone can manage. Sure. That's kind of a truism. Mm-hmm. It's easy to be poor. Just stop making money. <laughs> yeah. Your life sucks and your life's hard, uh-huh. but it's not a particularly hard thing to you know do. It's kind of similar to Tyrion's line of – you know, if you think being an alcoholic is easy, if it was, everyone would do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I yeah, I, I thought it was I thought it was great, and just mm-hmm. the, the way the two men were, you know, Walt tried to kind of match his power and confidence, and yeah, it didn't work. It didn't. It not didn't. even close. Like he's not even Gus isn't even as dressed up as Walt, and he's blowing his doors off. Like you can see Walt almost visibly shaking during this scene. Sure, like he's terrified of. What is about to happen here? Right. Uh, and you, you got to wonder. So so here's the thing. Do you think Gus knows that Jesse is stealing this meth? I think probably the answer I, is yes, and that's the reason for the invitation no. and the warning. How the fuck would he ever know? Does he, I, unless, unless he's taking the receipts to Gail and Gail is, you know, like he's, he's checking his homework. Because we know Gail, Gail, well, I mean, I guess we don't know. 
Um, but so there's what nothing to would... indicate that Gale has been drug, drug off to the desert or murdered or anything like that. I don't. What th- else no, I don't would think... instigate this meeting? I think this is... He's clearly there to give him a an, an piece of advice that is, don't get too attached to Jesse. Right, but I think this is in context of what's happened in between, you know, Walt's demand that Jesse gets reinstated as the cook. Like, this is him coming and saying, you remember how I said mm-hmm. you never trust an addict? Mm-hmm. Well, you did that against my good judgment, and then I trusted your judgment, and then you gave me cause to doubt your judgment. And this is a not-so-friendly gathering to remind you of exactly what the stakes are and for me to explicitly say, you better not be fucking up. I don't think he knows the specifics of Jesse's sins. Um, okay. But, you know, with the stealing and all that stuff, but he just doesn't trust the situation. But certainly that's going through Gus's head. Or, I'm sorry, Walt's head, right? Sure. Like, oh, my God, I've I've been hiding the fact that Jesse's been stealing I know that he's been stealing. Does Gus know if I know? Yeah. Is that why I'm here? Is he going to kill me? What does he want? I mean... So many things going through Walt's head. It, it seems... I mean, we're left with the conclusion as as we cut to Jesse investigating this, this lead that he got from Andrea that Walt is going to have to choose in the future. You yeah. know, is he going to... Because you know, as he put it to Skyler, I mean, he used a bunch of bullshit things like, oh, it's all very safe and on on the up and up and all that stuff, which we know is not true. But, you know, he does have this contract with Gus that he has to fulfill. I think he's under no yeah. illusions that he can just walk away from that no, or fuck it up. Not anymore. But he's also got this guy, this kid that we just talked about the last episode is of, of, of forming like, an, you know, they both kind of realize that they are family, you know, and, and in the scene where I've, uh, in season two where Walt's at the bar with Jane's dad, he identifies him as a nephew, I think. Mm-hmm. So he's, you know, it's he is mentally there, and I think it's there in the heart. That's going to be tough. Choose between family and between your employer who might kill you. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Who are you going to be loyal to? It's a tough one. So, yeah, as you said, Jesse goes to the spot where Combo was shot. He finds Tomas there, and he buys a teenth from the crew who killed Combo. Then he walks away looking like he's on a mission. I will say I thought they did a bad job of explicitly making that connection. Like, I freeze-framed it, and there's a frame or two where you can see that that teenth is blue. Oh, okay. But I... I well, if they I, had I just thought, had those guys sitting on that corner, like they did with Combo, you would have known. So, like... Wait, we would have, but Jesse wouldn't have. Why would Jesse recognize... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just saying, Jess, okay. like, the, the smoking gun is that this the is... Mask, the thing yeah. that enrages him is not that this happens in Albuquerque in the drug goal. I mean, he's seen this, peekaboo. Like, he's seen the shitty, depraved things that criminals get up to. What causes his the vein to stick out on the Aaron Paul forehead is that this is his fucking product. But it, so I, I question why that would set him off because he has really, made, he has made hundreds of pounds of this product. Now he doesn't know where it goes. Why would he assume that some of this hundred, a teeth? I think of there's a difference. Just, so here's the, here it is. He had no problems taking an adult, a well-meaning adult who was trying to get her life together and get clean Mm -hmm. and corrupting her with drugs until the child steps up. I don't think he had any problem with adults peddling this adult product to other adults, but finding out that they're using essentially child soldiers is a... Like, Jesse's got a very clear line when it comes to... Like, look at his brother. Got his brother smoking weed, something that he did at that age, and he's, no, this isn't for you. Like, he tries to protect children, and the fact that he is part of this... 
you know, this isn't some other thing. Like, you look at Gus and like, okay, well, he's running this ship and he probably does things professionally. But at the street level... Yeah, I thought I, think I thought what you were saying is that they had taken the meth from Combo and were actually selling it, mm-hmm. and then he somehow knew that. But okay, no, no, okay, no, no, no that no, makes no. way more sense. The yeah. fact that he's part of this industry, and I thought that, yeah. I, I don't know, maybe I forget what how the next episode goes. Maybe they make that explicit point there. But I thought it would have been more effective if there's an insert of him looking down, and yep, it's a it's a pack of the crystal blue. Totally. But the fact that uh, like maybe I, as he walks away or something, I. I, I was so convinced that it did that I watched it like twice and then I actually just went through the frame. I'm like, okay, well, yes, I can definitely see the hint of blue there, but it's so brief. It's almost like they're yeah. trying to keep it a secret, but then they're playing, you know, Dave Porter comes in with the boom, with the synth music and Aaron Paul's vein goes throbbing and yeah. you know something's up. So just, I don't know. So another thing I noticed in this scene is when he goes up to this kid and he's trying to buy this teenth, he's like, you can see him, you can really see how much he's changed from old Jesse to mm-hmm. new Jesse. Like, his speech patterns are completely different. Like, old Jesse rolls up there and, and says, like, uses yo five times and bitch three times yeah. when, in the course of buying this. He barely struggles to get a yo out. Only after he kind of, like, I don't know, his other stuff is just not not going the way he wants it to. Well, also, I thought the others, like, I, mean, I feel like I'm shitting all over the, the Villigan and, and company, the Villa gang. But, like, I thought it was fairly, un- fairly, fairly unrealistic that Jesse didn't know how a drug deal goes down. Like, oh, I've, yeah. Like, you give this I've guy the never money. done a corner drug deal, but I've seen the fucking wire. Yeah, yeah. And I know, like, you don't. My mess ever, coming from somewhere. You don't right? care. You don't, you don't, you don't hold in the cash and, like, you got to separate all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was kind of weird how he did that. But, you know, I guess it's interesting because I actually did some research. I got into. But that's the, not how he conducted business, certainly. Right. Like, Combo just did it all. Maybe that's the thing. You walk up to Combo, he takes your money and gives you your drugs. Yeah, that's true, because they were, but they were idiots. They were, Has Jesse never bought from a real, maybe he's just bought from friends before. Maybe. So it's like, that could be, you know, uh, I could see that being a problem. But I also was surprised, because he said 300 for the teenth, and I'm like, wow, that's a vanishingly small amount of meth. For a massive amount of money. So I actually looked, because I'm like, you know, I thought one of the charms of meth is that it's fucking cheap. Mm Mm-hmm. So I actually did some research online, and I got into the bullshit drug culture forums. This is the worst place oh, no. in the fucking world. Like, they have so many jargons and acronyms, and it's such a joke. They're like, I, I you know, it's like no one, they, they always use these things like someone who isn't me. Like, anytime they want to know if, like, I took too much drugs or the oh, wrong drugs. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm like, I got a friend who That's not going to hold math. up in court, asshole. Yeah. But I, I finally determined that... Uh, three hundred fifteenth is a lot. Like it's the street price is like eighty to a hundred dollars. And I was also trying to oh, see what wow. the burn rate is, and I guess it's different between snorting and smoking and and whatnot. But like a heavy user can smoke a gram in like four to six hours. That's like and that's more than like, half your teeth, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Jeez. That's like a you know like exactly half, or maybe slightly less than half of a teeth, and. Hmm. So, because that's a sixteenth of an ounce, if you didn't know, which sure. what is that? Like two grams? I don't know. Again, 
I only not know that, it, the, that the, an eighth is three point five. I don't. I won't say how I know that. <laughs> a, a friend of mine, someone who's not me, yeah, has told someone me who's that. not me has told you that information. <laughs> but that's yeah. Like so, um, I wonder if they did that to make it less attractive. Like mm-hmm. I, because it seemed like Vince Gilligan had two minds of this whole thing. Like I'm glorifying drug culture, mm-hmm. but I also want to make the DA look heroic. And they sure. and and I I got this mission about about how I'm going to portray them. Can't serve two masters, Villigan. And I can't I can't be technically accurate on how I depict meth, even though you can find this stuff out on the aforementioned bullshit drug forums. Uh-huh. And I also want to make it seem like meth is fucking crazy expensive. Like why would you ever try it? Like yeah, like Don't there's do this. It's bad for you, and it costs too much. Yeah. So I, I wonder if, or if that was just supposed to be a testament of how good. Yeah, they've also made that point. Like it's three, it's worth three times of the street value of a of a teenth. I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, that's too much for me. Yeah, uh, if it was twenty five cents a teenth, it'd be too much for me. Yeah, uh, my my teeth are worth more than exactly than a temporary high. Yeah, that's what a lot of the druggies were making. They, they they make these crazy jokes too. Like it costs. Like people are asking, like, what's it cost? And like, clearly, neophyte drug users are trying mm-hmm. to like, you know, use the internet to like dip their toe in the water. And they're like, a teeth costs you a tooth, or uh-huh. you know, because that's essentially the going rate eventually. And I'm like, good God, this is cynical. <laughs> uh, you know what's you know what's not cynical and what's kind of awesome? You're on a list now, by the way. Which I've been on a list for <laughs> since we started doing this podcast, my friend. What is not cynical and awesome? Dave Porter's remix that he does every single episode. Mm. This this one is particularly funky mm-hmm. and pretty badass. So I uh, got precisely fourteen seconds of it thanks to Netflix. <laughs> I, yeah, and I backed out of that. I, I've uh, all, I've listened to all of them, and I just, you know I, I stopped calling them out. But this one was particularly like, holy shit! This is this. I, I could put this on my music player of choice and jam to it. Yeah, if I ever got a chance, another chance to talk to Dave, uh, Dave Porter, yeah, um, I would ask him about that. How, how do you feel about your stuff being completely just cut off at the knees on Netflix? Well, I mean, it's better than because like he was. I'm, I remember him oh, lamenting yeah, the yeah. fact that uh-huh. when AMC got it, it it was a giant fast scroll that you didn't hear any of it over the on the next episode of Breaking <laughs> Bad guy, and he's like, you know, it is so what he's it is. Thrilled with. He's Netflix like, yeah, like the fact that the DVD players, yeah, he's basically composing this for the hardcore DVD Blu-ray fans, and yeah. now maybe like iTunes or you get viewers. 50, yeah, I mean, he put, he's there's an album you can buy of the Breaking Bad original score. It's got a lot of this stuff mm-hmm. on it, and also, I mean, he's probably pretty thrilled that there's 15 seconds of each one being played. Probably, and people are like, holy shit, what's that? I want to hear more. And I wonder if people are going to start front loading, like putting all their best work in the first 15 <laughs> seconds, so that when it's on Netflix, you'll hear it. Sure, or like I. Hmm. I wonder what would happen if he had done that for the theme music, the 10 second, like, you know, instead of having the same, if he had done something different for each one of those. Uh, You know, I don't really like that. They did that in weeds, like season to season, they would change uh, the theme music. They did it on the wire too. Same lyrics, different music. Key and Peele, the wire, wire, some of the greats do it. I'm not, I'm not really a fan of it, honestly. Hmm. I like the wire. And I actually like what Keen Peel did with their theme song in the last few seasons. I mean, here. I guess there there were there's always a version that I like the most ah, and wish they course. had stuck with. Yeah. Uh and and I I start to dislike the others because of that. But Better Call Saul, which is this is not a spoiler, they kind of have the best of both worlds. They keep the same music, but they remix the actual visuals. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of uh I think it that's it took me a better. while to warm up to it, but I actually eventually came to like it. Yeah. All right, that's it for the recap. We, we have no non-spoiler emails. 
again, once again, a reminder that we record these in advance and out of kind of sequence. So uh, that doesn't mean that we didn't get any didn't get any emails for this particular episode. It just means that I haven't gotten them at the point of space time continuum that we recorded this. So yeah, hold on your butts if I if I didn't get to it and it might come next week. Uh, if you'd like to send us feedback, you can do so at breakinggood at baldmove.com or on forums.baldmove.com. And we do have a hot take in the spoiler section. I got a couple things I want to talk about, too. Okay, cool. Um, well, I guess that's it for the main cast. If you're into spoilers, stick around after the music. If not, we'll see you next week. And until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. See ya. And we're back with the spoiler section. What what is this hot take you're talking about? Uh oh, you uh, okay? Um, oh, were you going to go some somewhere else first? I had some hot takes myself, but, uh, but I'll it get must to, not be that much of a hot take. If I'll you're get to our pal Ginny R's. Gonna let it simmer for a while. Does it have to rest? Is it so hot that it needs to rest? To no, keep the juice I don't in? need to wrap it in tin foil and sit on the counter for five <laughs> minutes. Okay, uh, Ginny R, who uh, you will know is oh, yeah. uh, half the proprietor of the once and maybe future Breaking Bad fan fest. Yeah. Wrote in said, I've always noticed, this is for Kafka-esque, I've always noticed all the bug imagery and bug references in Breaking Bad, they're everywhere, and I think these are oblique references to Kafka's metamorphosis. Uh, she says, Frank Kafka was an influential writer, we talked a little bit about this, but not a lot, uh, influential writer in the early 20th century whose works primarily dealt with alienation, helplessness, and dehumanization imposed by modern life. Mm-hmm. And metamorphosis written in 1912, George Samsa, or Gregor Samsa, a somewhat timid man leading a mundane life wakes up one day to find himself physically changed into a giant monstrous insect, a condition he must hide from the outside world. Initially, his consciousness is fully human, but throughout the book, Gregor wrestles with an identity crisis in which he attempts to balance his human and insect natures as he slowly becomes more and more insect-like. Hmm. Played by Jeff Goldblum in the movie <laughs> adaptation. <laughs> or Vincent Price in the original. Sure. Yep. I think, and there's, you're fooling yourself if you don't think that those guys read this book. And yeah, this is right. probably very influential in the body horror genre uh-huh. as well as the kafka-esque genre mm-hmm. uh she continues i think the writer's copious use of insect references and imagery as well as direct references to kafka himself are an allegory of Walt's metamorphosis from human to something monstrous and by the way kafka was born in mm. prague in the modern day czech republic which we know features heavily in the end game of breaking bad uh she also sent a bunch of um pictures th- yeah. she sent a bunch of pictures in the seed which i obviously can't cram into your ear holes but there's a ton of them like you know no, we're the... just gonna do it all in morse code right now <laughs> bit by bit uh yeah you get a binary decoder mm-hmm. um from the old days of news group uh there's like you know the butterflies on the the barrels of methylamine yeah the walt pushing, in this episode that you can see him True. walt pushing the barrel of uh through the desert like a scarab beetle you know we, we talked about vince's Jesse's beetle on his hand we've talked and and we talked about um Vince's association with spiders in particular with mm-hmm. children. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting as we think of those as monstrous, but here the bugs are the monsters and the spiders are the cuddly friend, child friendly mm-hmm. or symbols of innocence. Uh, Vince Gilligan, hell of a nice guy. seems like he has some deeply fucked up connections in his head though. It's all right. Nothing wrong with that. I, yeah, I can relate. Um, <laughs> so some of my, thank you for that, Jenny. Uh, some of my hot takes is Andrea. Okay. I will die before I let my son be, end up like Tomas. 
Uh, you did. Y- she y- will y- die. You did, yes. Andrea. You did. Yeah, she'll be killed. Pretty. Uh, Matt Damon goes up and kills her, right? Uh, fake Matt Damon goes sure through does. the door and kills sure her. Sure does. Yeah. A dopey, dopey, dead-eyed fuck. Yep. Uh, I want to talk about the moral quandaries of the show. Uh, Walt, where do you stack up Walt poisoning Brock <laughs> versus Jesse selling meth to Andrea? So Walt huh. knowingly poisoned the child, but on so that's that's worse than Jesse. You know, this kind of goes back to the man versus woman and being irresponsible. Jesse did not know that Andrea had a child, mm-hmm. but he she could have. And she's certainly a child of somebody that cares for her. So there's there's a, that little bit of a fig yeah. leaf on his act. But Walt was acting out of fear for his life, where Jesse is just doing this to be an outlaw. And also, a lot of people say that everything Jesse did is because of Walt. This is the one act that I can think of that this is all mm-hmm. Jesse. In fact, Walt was like, yeah. don't fucking do this. This is crazy. Yeah. This is Jesse doing a, a fairly evil, reprehensible act all on his own. And there's one more wrinkle, I think, in that Walt knew that it wouldn't kill Brock. I mean, I, suspect, I mean, I don't think you can metaphysically know that there's it, yeah, no interaction. But he's a chemist. He's, he's talking about all this biology. Reasonably he, certain. Yes. Would yes. he have done it to Holly? That's the question. I say no, <laughs> which tells me he's certainly not, not yeah. that certain. But mm-hmm. But yeah, he was definitely rolling the dice. Stack dice, but it was still kind of a dice roll. I don't know where do you come. Yeah. Where do you come down on it? Uh, I think Walt's worse. Why? Because the thing that Jesse did to Andrea, Andrea had a choice in. Uh, ah. Brock had no choice. He's a kid. It's it's abuse. It's it's way worse. You could have fucking not taken candy from weird ass strangers like Saul Goodman. What? Isn't that what ended? Like Saul gave him some candy. Wasn't yeah. Yeah. It? Okay. So, like, you know, just don't take candy from Saul Goodman. Yeah, but he's a six-year-old. Uh, six-year-olds should know better. Look at Saul. He's a circus clown, for God's sakes. <laughs> That's probably why I liked him. <laughs> uh, no, but you, you get what I'm saying, right? Like, yeah, no, I get it. That's actually a very... I'd... Putting meth up in front of an adult and saying, here, try this, they could just say no. Yeah. That, that, if you were alive okay, in the Nancy 90s, Reagan. you were just saying no. Sure. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. The choice versus the free will versus being something forced on you um, by events that you can't even understand. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of Lovecraft-esque. <laughs> Almost. Uh, if Walt had more tentacles. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, he's got the, the mustache. Uh, yeah, that's that's. I think you're right. Because I was, you know, I, I was trying to look at it. There's like, you know, ethical and then like moral. And I always associate like ethical is more of an intellectual thing and morals are more of like how it feels to your heart. Hmm, or okay. to your gut and i'm like trying to think it's like it, my gut tells me to walt's wrong but intellectually they seem like they're kind of on the same plane but i think that's you're right i think intellectually you can justify that the fact that, that walt's worse yeah i think you're right okay well that's the one thing i wanted to talk about uh did you have any takes for the well i was going to talk a little bit about like does gus or know or not because we mentioned that in the oh sure the full cast uh, we know Gus... that later on he does have cameras in there. I think we see those getting installed. I think we know when those go in and they're not there yet. Happens early in season four, but that's after Walt and Jesse yeah. take their half and full measure. Yeah, yeah. Which I think the next two episodes These are, are half measure and full yeah, measure. And they are fully insane. These yes. are some of the most insane episodes <laughs> in Breaking Bad history. Bananas. So I'm looking forward to those two. Yep. But I, I can't tell. Like maybe he has some audio gear. I don't think so. I think that's what Walt's afraid of. 
but I don't see any evidence of that. I actually looked in the previous episodes to see it because I thought I saw like a camera in the corner. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't find any evidence of that. I think that's Walt kind of being paranoid. But after okay. after they obviously bend Gus over a barrel and double cross him. Yeah. And lead him to have to execute several key employees or at least one in spectacular fashion. <laughs> yes, he installs, he, he wires that place for video and sound. Yeah, I can't wait, man. These next two episodes... So good. Yeah, like next episode is the run, and next episode is the blast in the face. Like it's next episode has Mike telling Jesse about the half measure, right? It's Walt, right? Oh, telling Walt about the half measure. Yeah, you never take a yeah. uh, which a is half measure. A story that we actually get to see play out in Better Call Saul, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. Yeah. Strip mining the past again. Sure. Which is actually strip mining the future. The future. It's very strange. <laughs> he's, he's, he's the Villa gang also has a TARDIS is what yes. we've come to appreciate here. All right. The next doctor, Vince Gilligan. Uh, as always, if you, you know, I haven't said this on the podcast. I've tried. I think I've got it on most of the show notes. But if you want, uh, if you crave more coverage, check out the Heisenberg Chronicles. It's, it's going to be linked for this episode in the uh, show notes of this podcast. It's our friend Shane Bowman. The Bowman Bowman, yep. uh, he has like a little collection of tidbits and trivia and um, fan art for each episode. And it's a real nice, real nice labor love he's, he's done for us all. Yeah. All right. See you guys next week. Yep. See ya.